to a jam-packed episode featuring my friend, Diane Mayer. She's a dynamic business CFO who bid farewell to the world of corporate, sounds like Nora, and is now helping entrepreneurs navigate the complexities of business and finance with a touch of flair. She spent 15 illustrious years as a CFO for multiple multi-eight-figure businesses across Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and the Asia-Pacific. In this episode, we'll unravel the unique journey of Diane Mayer, exploring how she leverages Hello Audio in 15 different ways in her business. We dive especially deep into how she views the relationship between her public podcast and her many private podcasts. And I'm telling you, it's pretty genius. Enjoy this one. Welcome, everybody. We are back with another case study episode, and we have on today Diane Mayer. I'm so excited that she's here because... You guys, she's a power user, absolutely, and I just found out that she has used audio 15 different ways in her business, so we'll definitely dive into some of the unique ways in a hot second, but Diane, I am so glad that you're here. I'm so excited to come and chat audio with you, as audio is my thing, business, but make it audio. It's always been my (laughs) motto since you launched, so happy to dive in and tell you all the things. Super cool. We both have to bring the energy of Nora as well, because I'm flying solo this episode. Nora is not able to come with us today. We'll channel her as well. She asks really good questions. I'm going to work from that Nora energy. So cool. I'm excited to learn a little bit about your first thoughts about private podcasting. I know we've known each other for a hot second. So you knew me as I was launching Hello Audio. What did you think of when you're like private podcasting? Why did you find this such an intriguing use case in your business? I'm a podcaster, so I have a public podcast. So audio was a natural fit for me. The reason I launched my public podcast was that I couldn't push publish on a blog. Like I could just never do it. But the second I turned a microphone on, I could talk. And I was happy to hit publish on that. You know, once you get over those initial things of like, I sound so weird. And so for me, the idea that I could bring that to the other parts of my business that felt really time consuming, that felt really, oh, I need to design something in Canva, that felt like I needed to worry about hair and makeup and make it like audio that I was already really comfortable with, made it an actually really easy transition for me. I don't think I had that much fear around it. I was more like, what can I do with it? And you and I joke that poor Derek, who was on the help desk at the start of things, <laughs> had me in his ear like, every week going, oh, can we make it do this? How do we make it do that? So I think for me, it was more excitement than any nerves or anything. Let me just say, we loved having you do that because I think it was people like you who really pushed Hello Audio to that next level. Like when we thought of this idea, it was focused on courses and we knew it could be used in marketing, but it's always been just something that has made me really happy. And like, we have a cool product when people are using it in ways you didn't even imagine. (laughs) The amount of boxes I get from Diane, like, this is what I'm thinking. Should I do this? And I'm like, go for it, girl. I love the way your brain works. So yeah, we love experimenters and innovation for sure at Hello Audio. And I think that was a big segment of our user base. It's a new thing and experimenting with things. I think it's just easier to experiment with audio too, based on what you said. Like, it's easier to not have to deal with all the video and stuff. It's just, oh, does it work or not? it work? Maybe. Or maybe I edit this out or whatever. It just seems lighter. Yeah. I think it's quicker as well. Like I think if you think I'm going to experiment with a course, traditionally you would be like, okay, let me go and pre-sell it. Then I'm going to teach it live, like all the good things. Whereas with audio, you can throw out a like mini feed to see if there's even any interest around the topic. 
which I've done a couple of times and then be like, okay, how do I develop that? Where am I losing people in the topic? Where do they stop listening? But actually all it's taken you is maybe 20 minutes. You haven't had to buy a new platform. You haven't had to think about whether you need a Facebook group or any of that. Your minimal viable product is so much quicker and so much easier. And then it's also not a hard thing to ask people to listen to. It's easy for me to say to a friend, hey, I've got this course idea. Here's a 20 minute podcast. Listen in 2x. It's 10 minutes. Can you have a listen for me? And people will do that. So an audio for experimentation is 100% the way forward. I don't even think I've thought about it. I have, but I don't think even just the way you just phrased that last part, let me send this over to a friend or like a couple people. Sure, we have Voxer, but there is something more intentional about sitting down with your microphone. You know how Voxer, you're like looking at that green, like (laughs) you're like babbling and then you hit the 15 minutes. It isn't this nice, concise and thought through thing. Sure, you can throw a topic around, but hey, what if you threw out an outline and prepared a little bit? And it was also audio. That does seem a lot easier. And from the receiver end of it, it's so true. If you were to say, hey, Lindsay, watch five of these videos, basically no one asked that because it's ridiculous. But even, hey, check out this PDF. I would look at it, but would I like deeply read it and mark it up like I was teaching again? No, it's just too much energy and effort. But headphones on, take a walk, listen to a good friend of mine that I love. That seems easy and fun. And I can be helpful around that. I think we think about audio a lot from the perspective of how can this help us sell? But for me, I'm always like, I want you to sell, but I also want you to have the best business backing that up. And so for me, it is very much a tool that allows me to do what I want to do as quickly and as easily as possible. I have tested so many things that I would never have tested if I had to think about hair and makeup and video. It never. Whereas it's really easy for me to just, oh, let's just throw it out there and see what happens. You've teased that you've used it in like 15 different ways. Can you give us like a rundown of those 15 ways? And then maybe we'll dive into a couple of them that that we haven't really talked about before. Sure. Okay. I had to make notes because I've used it in so many different ways. And I was pretty sure Lindsay was going to ask me and I like to be an A plus student. So I've done an audio summit, which you've had Wendy Breakstone on. So I used her format with some tweaks. I've done a 30 day series on my public podcast that expired every day and saved it into private podcast. And so if you wanted to catch up or you wanted to keep it, you had to opt in, but it's also there for me to use next year. I've done paid courses. I use it for all of my replays for my clients. Nobody gets a Zoom replay. They get a private podcast feed. I have used it for my own kind of personal development. So recording a discovery call and then reflecting back on like, how did I do in that call? I use it for recordings where somebody else gives me a recording or something like that. I've used it to rehearse for speaking engagements. I have used it as opt-ins. So I repurposed a question I ask about boundaries on my public podcast, and I created a private podcast of it to create an opt-in. I have sent quiz-specific content. So you've done a quiz, you've got answers, and then I've had the feed set up to give quiz-specific content. I use it for toolkit walkthroughs. So I'm a big spreadsheet kind of person. So if I've given you a spreadsheet, the walkthroughs in audio so that you can work in the spreadsheet and listen to me. I've done masterclasses, webinars, so pre-COVID, video sales letters, but audio sales letters. I have done, one of my favorites is to leave voice notes for email. Nothing gets an email subscriber clicking faster than uh, I left you a message. I've also used it for client love notes. So you know how you keep like a love file of nice things people have said to you on Facebook or whatever, but when you do a lot of work in Voxer, often those things happen through Voxer. Somebody says something to you. 
So I have a client love file, but that's audio so that you have it for testimonials or like when you need a little pick me up. And then I love it for a surprise and delight. So I have done custom feeds of my public podcast episodes for clients or have thrown a custom episode in for subscribers into a feed. From that theme, like a ton of unique ideas. Absolutely. One of the themes I'm seeing is the relationship between your public podcast and private podcast. And it's not typical like, oh, subscribe for more episodes or whatever, which is like what you hear a lot of in the public podcast space. So maybe we should dive in a little bit into that. What do you think? Sure. I've used it in a few ways with my public podcast. Yeah, let's go into them and maybe we can get some nuances out of that. So the most recent one was the planning one. The planning series was for the whole month of October. It was like a pre-planning preparation series. So planning is one of my superpowers. And so each day was a question and it was on my public podcast for 24 hours. So as the next one published, the other one expired. And so they were encouraged, hey, if you want to keep it, if you want to get it, you have to go and get it that way. Go log in here, go grab this opt-in. But it works really well, I think, from a public podcast because there are already people listening to podcasts. Nobody listening to a podcast is excited to download an ebook. But it's also like you're asking somebody to go, oh, I love audio. Yes, I can't wait to read an ebook. It just doesn't connect for them. And then on the other side, I was sending an email every day as well as repurposing that onto social. But then also going, hey, if you want to keep this, The only way to keep this so that you can refer to it over and over again is to go and grab the opt-in from all of those angles. But it started with public podcast to private podcast, and then everything was driving to the private podcast opt-in to get people on the email list. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So we have this like pushing to an opt-in and the opt-in is within the same medium that the person already loves. What I think is interesting too, is like that person is getting your episode live. They know when your episodes drop. You've probably been seeding it the whole public podcast. You're talking about your regular listener, right? Not the person who just casually is trying to hear a guest or searching a topic or whatever. It's like your person. So I find that really interesting. So if I was listening to this podcast and was in it while it was happening. Day one happens and day two is gone. But maybe I missed that day. Was that on purpose? And the fact that like people were probably more likely to opt in to get the stuff they missed? I didn't want it to live forever on the public podcast because A, the goal was to get them listening every single day. And then B, to get them to move to the email list from there. So I wanted it to expire. And so like on day 20, when you're saying, hey, this is day 20, We've done 19 other questions. Here's where you can go to get that catch up on the rest of them. Or here's how you can keep all of them and listen all at once or whatever. This is like free content for you that's not gated over here, but you've only got it for 24 hours. However, people who are on my list, I'm going to make it way more convenient for you. And that podcast itself, so the planning podcast, expires at the end of the year. So it's there to support them through their planning process. And then it goes away. But now I have a 30-day challenge style asset that can exist and come back up next October. I was just going to say, can I sign up for this right now? (laughs) I might do a deal for the people listening to. So yeah, so that's an existence. But if you think about that, if I had only done that through email or only done that through social, what is the chance that you have saved that somewhere in a Google file in some kind of format that you can use again that doesn't require you to now repost a whole bunch 
of new graphics. I'm and already new things. having PTSD right. from like a couple of years ago, like running Facebook challenges. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Whereas I know exactly where it is. It's in a feed in my hello audio thing. I just have to go and look at it. It's date based. So I could literally just copy all the episodes and give them new dates and it would push out. And I could even send the first one to people who had subscribed before to get them back into listening to it. So it becomes this much more flexible asset, but I'm not using it to the exclusion of all my other traffic. So my podcast got exposure to it. LinkedIn got exposure to it. Instagram got exposure to it. And my email list got exposure to it. And more power to them if they wanted to save 30 days of emails from me so they didn't have to opt into the podcast. You no know? one's doing that. <laughs> no, no one's doing that. Do. Or doing it well and actually doing something with it. They might be on an auto filter or something. And what was great about it as well, if you think about that versus, oh, yes, you could have done a planning ebook. What was great for me was I didn't have to create 30 days before I started. So I had a plan. I knew where I was going with it. But if I got inspired on the one day with a new question that I wanted to ask, because none of these questions I asked were particularly easy or very standard planning questions, I could then riff on that one. And I could slot it into whatever day I wanted to slot it into. And then I could batch out for a week if I wanted to. And so it gave me so much flexibility that you don't have in a different kind of opt-in or where you need design or where you need to be prepared in advance so I recorded the podcast and that became an email. And the email wasn't to drive anyone to the public podcast. It was just to drive them to save all of this for later by getting the private podcast. So it wasn't pushy to them. They got all the information they needed on all the channels. So it was great from an exposure perspective while I was creating this asset in the background that I can churn out every year. Yeah. So obviously I'm tens of people ahead of what's been released from Launch Your Private Podcast, but there's this theme of it's actually so much easier to riff and get natural with audio and it's flexible. Like I heard flexible and a hundred percent with those challenges, like I'm not a planner, which is why I need your planning tool, but I'm not good at that. And so any challenges I've run, I'm typically flying by the seat of my plants and then hopefully I can reuse it next time. And yes, we've done challenges that are audio based going on that theme, but we actually haven't done anything that's been 30 days, like a new thing comes out, but it feels so much lighter to say like, okay, these are my topics. I'm just going to grab a mic versus feeling like every post has to be scheduled. That whole vibe of preparation and doing off the cuff. For some people, they're really good on Facebook and posting just off the cuff stuff, you know, on Instagram or whatever, and they're really consistent. But for those of us who are not, audio is a lot from an execution standpoint, I would say. And it allows you to riff in a way that feels lighter. Now, it can't be for everyone, but I do think that it's common for that to feel a lot heavier than grabbing a mic and talking with somebody. And yeah. that's what we love about audio. It's also lighter in the back end is audio is so much more forgiving than video. You can edit out snuffles and sneezes and miss words and come back and re-say it. Whereas video you need to say the whole sentence. You can't be having like jump clips like all over every single sentence. Otherwise everyone's <laughs> it's like, like it's, it's not a great look. But with audio, I can record the same sentence 17 different ways until I'm happy with it without touching my mic, without making a note, without having to do anything. And then the AI that exists to improve your audio is just far outpacing video because obviously video is so much more complicated. So I think there's that element of it's so much easier to A, riff, but B, take the riff and turn it into an asset 
So true. And what's funny is it's still the admin side, the creator's responsibility. So you created this asset. You talked about that and you're like, okay, I can change the dates. I can duplicate the feed. I can swap out intro episodes or something like that. And I can keep reusing this. What does that look like in a learning management system? Not as easy, right? Because you're dealing with logins. You're dealing with whole other ball games. So it's not just the medium of video versus audio, but it's also how it's delivered. And it's in a podcast player, in a one-click email that automatically gets sent from Hello Audio, there's no logins that you have to deal with. And not only is that easier for the creator from an admin perspective, and you can get this asset out quickly and use it in totally different ways, but it's so much easier for the listener too. Like the person who owns all your shit, now all your stuff lives in their feed and they know exactly where to go to get Diane's XYZ thing. And I think that's the thing where it's like, Oh, yeah. We always harp on audio versus video, but it's that also. They get to choose. I don't know about you, but I have some pet peeve learning management systems. I won't name them. And so when I see somebody's course is located on one of these, I'm automatically like, oh, whereas with a podcast, if they're an Apple person, they can listen on podcast. If they're a Spotify person, they can listen on Spotify. If they're whatever other random app and they just want the RSS feed, they can get that. So it's so much more geared to Where do you want to consume it? How does it feel for you? It's super convenient. And if you want to, you can send them a link and they can watch it on their computer and they can watch the little thing move along as they play it if that's their jam. So I think it's so flexible for you. It's so flexible for them. They're like everybody benefits. I've never heard anyone be really irritated that something was delivered by podcast. But Lindsay regularly gets boxes from me when I land in a course and something is not, doesn't have a private podcast. <laughs> or a summit. <laughs> the rage. <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting too? I, I don't know if this is a benefit you thought about too when it comes to pulling out this challenge or well, choosing to host on your public podcast, but like pulling out the challenge. It keeps your public podcast really clean too. People know what to expect and it's cool. You can do this one-off special thing, which rewards people that listen regularly, but then you can remove it when it's not timely anymore. And it's not clogging up that public podcast. We get a lot of questions of, should I put this on a public podcast? Like, why wouldn't I? I want everyone to listen. And I think there are benefits to both. There are reasons to have both. But I feel like that idea of having a clean public podcast that you can pull from an archive and put in a private podcast is really powerful. It's really hard. If you think about that 30 day challenge, I don't want to have to come up with 30 hooks for a two minute episode every single day that looks like a normal episode of my feed that someone might happen upon. I want them to know this is day 30. You're not going to open up a podcast tool and go, oh, day 30. I wonder what that's like, about. I'm curious. Yeah, totally. I'm so curious. So I kept my regular episodes, which were also a slightly deeper dives into different aspects of planning. So it was all that whole month. It was still all about drove planning. them too. Yeah. It still drove them. And so what happened on a Thursday is they got the chunky episode And they got the mini episode. So if they were just a regular Thursday downloader, they would still have got both options and then gone, oh, wait, hang on, I've missed 10 days or whatever. Ah, that's really smart. Okay, so what if someone listening is like, I don't have a public podcast, something from what we've shared, what would be maybe some takeaways for them without having a public podcast? Yeah, I think is to look at like everything that you've done and ask yourself if you can add an audio component. So one of the things that drives me slightly bonkers in the online world is somewhere along the line, people have decided that visual learners need video and that's okay if that's a talking head. I am a visual learner. I find a talking head more distracting than anything else on the planet. 
Like visual learners need pictures and diagrams and how things are fitting together and changing screens. So even if you think, okay, I'm helping my visual learners by having a video add the extra, the podcast in, because that will create raving fans. Podcast mm-hmm. people are raving fans. If you talk to us, we will follow you. If you don't, we will tell all of our friends that your course doesn't have a podcast feed. All of them (laughs) will probably nag you. Like I did an MBA at the beginning of this year and I got the business school to send me every single video and created a podcast feed for everyone on the course. Oh, that's nice. And that's like hundreds of hours of lectures. So I think it's thinking of it that way if you're in the course space, but if you're earlier in the client journey is thinking about, okay, I have an ebook. How about you just create an audiobook? I've got this toolkit. How about you do the walkthrough as a podcast? Because then they're not clicking between a video. It's thinking about that way for mm-hmm. like, how can I make it easier for the client? But then take a step back and go, what do you hate to do in your business? What do you hate when someone else does it when you're receiving services? I am never going to find the eBooks that I downloaded or the PDF that I downloaded. I'm not going to remember what it was. None of that's going to work for me. But if something's living in my podcast feed, chances are when I'm scrolling for something else in my podcast feed, I'm going to remember, oh, I've got this asset. I should go and listen to that again. I've got this recording. But also think about where are you making these huge efforts that aren't being used? Like for me, I do recordings of my VIP days. I don't want to pay for the space to hold that recording. I know no client, even though everybody thinks they should get a recording of their session, no one is watching three hours of a Zoom call ever. However, if you put it into a podcast feed and they do want to revisit Hello Audio, you transcribe it, they've got the transcript, they can search, and now it's no longer your issue. It's just in a nice little feed. They can use it, it's there. I usually give it a year and then I just make it inactive. So it's still there if they panic and they need it, but it's not taking up my Hello Audio feed requirement. So it's like, how can I use this to bring more people into my business and make more money? And how can I use this to make what I do simpler? How can I experiment more easily? How can I make my life and my operations simpler? Even things like if you think about your team, if you have a big team and you're hiring people, having them each record a mini episode to introduce themselves so that the new person can listen to that as a podcast before they join. Little things, there are always places along the way because now you're not asking your team to do video. If people don't like video, they don't like to be asked to do video. It's going to take you way longer to get it. Even the summit example that we used, which is designed to bring people in. It's designed for leads. Off the back end, mine, I asked a standard question and everybody answered it. So Lindsay answered a question for me via Voxer. So I made it, how can I make it as easy for the person listening And as easy for the person who's involved in producing it to come together. And that's when suddenly you have 15 different ways you've used audio in your business. So good. And yeah, we've been saying over and over again, we're like, you probably should just put all your content library in a podcast form because it's so much easier to get out there. Super helpful. We didn't talk a lot about how your audience has responded. If you want to share some of the feedback you've gotten from people, maybe from those specific things with the public to private thing that you did or anything else in your business and how you've used it. What I've found is doing it that way has got me more replies. So even when I'm talking about it in an email, someone will suddenly reply to me and be like, I'm loving this series. I'm really listening to it. And they're having like a deeper conversation with me and then going and commenting on the social media post as well. So maybe before they wouldn't have commented on the social media post or they're liking a social media post or they're sharing it. What I'm mostly seeing is engagement. 
So obviously like the summit drives like plenty of leads and stuff to you. But also one thing I will say about the summit is I very much chose my speakers for their expertise. I couldn't tell you the size of anyone's list, their social media following. I asked people to share, but I don't think I was particularly difficult about it. I thought I was pretty relaxed, but I could be because it had been such a light lift for me to bring it together. So you get to be a better person in your business. So suddenly the quality of leads that these people brought me were their raving fans who were then wanting to tell me how excited they were to meet all these other people that they hadn't heard of because they're not like the trendy experts, but they're actual experts. And so it allows you to show up in a different way, which then gets a different response. Whereas before me trying to get people to respond on social media at the moment is so hard. And then I was also finding on my public podcast, I could see every day my unique listeners versus my downloads. My downloads were higher than my unique listeners every single day. So people weren't just downloading the one day of the experimental 30 day challenge. They were spotting another episode on my feed. And that's also why the expiring is really good. The thing they're looking for, plus your most recent episode. Yeah, I didn't even think Whereas about that. Whereas if you that. have 30 days, all they see is day one to 30, right? So if you expire it, that feed collapses. So I would say engagement wise, that's the biggest driver that I've seen is people actually being really interested in having a conversation. That's good because they actually listen to it, right? right <laughs> I think that's right. part of it. And there is something magical about audio too. I think it makes you feel like they know the person. So I'm not surprised that someone's like reaching out and saying, oh, I really love this because Diane seems cool. We've been hanging out yeah. a couple hours every week kind of thing. And I didn't have to do a planning workshop mm-hmm. at a time of year when everyone is doing planning workshops. When everyone's busy too. Yeah. And so I still got to showcase like my planning chops are like serious. I have a really mm. long career in doing it. So I got to showcase that in a really unoverwhelming way for people, like two minutes a day. It was one question, but I wasn't competing with all the other planning workshops in the same format. That was asking a lot, four hours or like five day planning challenge or whatever. Even just a two hour planning workshop. Most people don't like planning, so they don't want to go to a two hour workshop, but they're like, okay, I'll listen to your question for two minutes, even yeah, just to show like, you. Fine, I have to torture myself. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So I know your brain is already like imagining the next thing. We've been asking a couple of our guests, what is the thing you're working on that you're playing with audio that you haven't created or released yet, or something you've been sitting on that you're like, what would happen if? Yeah. There's a lot of me that is wondering if there's an audio book that was never a book. I've discovered that like my superpower is really synthesizing all the different things and bringing it together and going, this is what the situation needs. I love to have ideas, but in order to do that, I need to know all the different parts of the business pretty well. So I'm an accountant. I have an MBA in organizational happiness. I have the marketing and sales piece from having been in my own business for coming up five, six, seven years. And then all the operational chops that also come from my corporate career. And then this ability to synthesize because I had the kind of skills of like critical thinking and systems thinking and innovation and like, how do we do an idea and how do we think about risk and all of these things. But the idea of like when someone says to me, oh, I'm sitting down to write a book, I'm like, oh, I just think of every blog I didn't hit publish on. And so part of me is like, what if the planning series was one challenge, but what if there was a 30 day culture series? What if there was a 30 day critical thinking series that then became the book, whether that stays as audio or it then becomes something written. I'm probably more of like a workbooky kind of person. 
So for me, I'm like, what can I explore as in-depth topics going into 2024? Yeah. And then in my business, before I've been like, how do we make it audio? Everything I'm thinking about is how do we make it asynchronous? If I want to do a group thing, how does that become asynchronous? If I want to do another summit, how do I make sure it stays asynchronous? Because my summit was asynchronous for everybody who was listening, but also asynchronous for everyone who took part. And I've played around with an asynchronous podcast. Again, simplifying, making it easier for people, easier for you to run your business. Yeah. And just testing and being like, do people care about culture? Do people want to know how to innovate? Do people care about critical thinking? I wish they do would. people even know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. The surprise question at the very end of every okay. show, if you had a podcast, a private podcast of your life ramblings, what would it be called? Funnily enough, I said to someone today, if I did a TED talk, it would be called This Should Have Been a Podcast. I thought it was funny enough. I was like, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> so your book, that's not going to be a book. We now just titled it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, this should have been a podcast. This should have been a podcast. <laughs> funny enough. I feel like I say that to everyone. I go to a meeting and I'm like, this should have been a podcast. I like watch a MasterCard. I'm like, should have been a podcast. That's like, our mug. We actually have a merch store that I haven't launched officially, <laughs> but some secret <laughs> merch that we've had out in some of our challenges. Uh, I survived yeah, a course that should have been a private podcast. There you oh, go. It should have been a private podcast. I was going to say, you're going to come after me for trademark infringement. Oh no. I think Derek actually had, this should have been a private podcast. He like says that very often. Okay. Thank you for stopping by. This has been a treat as I knew it would be. I have had so much fun. I love to nerd out on audio. If anyone wants to ask me about any of the things, obviously like totally happy to nerd even further. Yay. Yes. Diane is a nerd. <laughs> She's well connected, very friendly and nerdy. So if those are your vibes, go follow her on all her things. Thank you very much. It's so complimentary. <laughs> I'm a nerd too. So self-proclaimed like attracts like, right? Yes, exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Take care, friend. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, audio heads. Another episode of Launch Your Private Podcast is in the books. I hope you're leaving today feeling even more ready to amplify your voice and connect with your audience in meaningful ways. The adventure continues in our next episode with even more insights, strategies, and inspiration to help you along your own private podcasting journey. Of course, make sure to check out helloaudio.fm to start your own private podcast. And remember, you've got amazing content that needs to be heard. So let's turn the volume up. Until next time.